Welcome to the Rider Dojo with your hosts, Steve Diamond. Yellow. And Larry Korea. I totally forgot to think of a hello. <laughs> Today's episode, Rider Loops and Player Leaders. All right, welcome back to the Rider Dojo. Larry and I are back with you. Uh, we're excited to be with you again. I'm just a deer in the headlights. That's right. Well, I mean, from where you live, it seems like everybody's hitting deer up there that are in your headlights. Good grief. We just hit like 30 deer a day. Ugh. All right. Today, we're going to address uh, we're going to address a question that was asked of us. If you'll recall, one of the perks of being a supporter of us, and remember, for just 99 cents a month, you too can help lift me and Jack from the wastelands of being in the corporate corporate America. I'm just going to start singing in the arms of an angel That's every right. time you do that. You know, if we get 24,000 supporters, Larry, <laughs> each giving us 99 cents a month, we're good. We can do it. Keep uh, dreaming big, man. Keep that's dreaming right. big. That's right. That's awesome. So anyway, in, in one of the, one of the perks of being a supporter is that when you ask us questions, when you send in emails and ask us questions, we either do um, a couple episodes where we just kind of, you know, pound through a bunch of different questions that people have. Yeah, kind of the Q&A mm-hmm, episodes. The Q&A episodes. We did a couple of those last season. Yeah, we did season. two of those last season. But if you remember from those, uh, from those two Q&A sessions, there were a couple where people asked really, really big questions. Um, one was writing action. Another one was about beta readers. Yep. So, and, and there are a couple other ones. Um, so what we want to do today is we want to tackle the beta reading question. And the idea of advanced readers, writing groups, things of that nature, the pros, the cons. And we wanted to hit this one kind of early in the season too, just because this is one of those things that um, a lot of writers starting out when they're first launching their careers, they think this is very important or they make some missteps on this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, actually, this is one of the places where I kind of got started really in my whole writing career was, was advanced reading for, for a lot of pretty big authors. Yeah. Actually, Steve, if you look at, um, uh, the thank yous of various books, the ones where they did actually acknowledge you. Jerks. <laughs> we'll there's, name there's a few a, names. There's a few who haven't thanked me. There's a punks. few ingrates out there. Or there's a few who, uh, well, we'll talk about that one in a sec. Yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, writers groups are one of those things, especially when you're starting out and you're first going to like writing conventions. Like I, I really recommend LTUE. Oh in, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do too. I've gone, I've gone to LTE for like 11, 12 years now. Well, and, and really quick when this, this is going to, this episode's going to go live before the next LTUE. Yeah. This episode will go live in January probably. And so that LTUE is Life of the Universe and Everything. It's a local convention here in Utah down in Provo. In terms of, of, um, bang for buck, uh, symposium advice and things of that nature, um, connectivity, networking, things like that. It's actually really, really good. In fact, I think this is how you and I met was LTE. Yeah. I, I, I go every year. I, I will, I'll be skipping this year if it's masks though. There's about doing masks. I'm just done. I, I, I doubt they'll do that. I'm not going to get into COVID crap on this show, but I'm just, I'm done guys. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done humoring people. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless the TSA is going to come arrest me. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, but anyway. The other one I would actually add one that I did actually do this last year. I did in 2021. I went to, uh, 20 books, Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually a really, it was, it was like LTUE. I was going to ask how big was it? Oh, it was huge actually. Uh, I, I don't know the number. It was, it was several thousand people. Oh, okay. 
Um, but it's primarily more aimed at indie authors. There weren't as many of us traditional writers there. Mm-hmm. However, I really had a great time and I thought it was a very valuable, very business-based. It wasn't... Oh, that's good. It wasn't fluffy magic unicorn, like let's talk navel-gazing, artsy-fartsy stuff. It was actually business mm-hmm. mostly. And so I found it pretty valuable. Oh, I, I I enjoyed it. I was more there to teach than to learn, I guess. Plus well, I got a free Las Vegas stay out of the deal. You know, which was fun. I got to take my wife out for a few days, but um, no, it, it was it was a valuable con. I recommend that too. But LTUE is cheap. Yeah, uh, twenty cheap. twenty books is not. Twenty books is more an investment. Oh, okay. So, well, you know, you, you go to these conventions and you end up meeting a lot of like minded folk, uh, especially when you're well. Actually, realistically, it's at all stages. That that's why these conventions. That's why big authors continue to go for them. Yeah, for us, it's more hanging out with peers. Yeah, networking with with peers, um, seeing people you haven't seen in a long time. Um, you know, there are different ways to recharge. And for me, that's one of them. You know, I go and I I meet with my friends who are creatives. We talk about totally non-creative stuff. We usually talk about like random crap. We usually wind up playing a couple of role-playing games. Oh, we totally do that. You know, you know, we stay up far too late playing games. Um, and we have a good time. So, but when you're, especially when you're a newer author and when you're young, you go to these conventions to meet people, um, many of whom share the same interest as you and have the same goals as you. And those people oftentimes kind of become your first writing group in some way, shape, or form. I remember the first con I ever went to was 2006, and it was in Worldcon. It was Worldcon down in LA. Um, And I went there with Dan Wells and Brandon Sanderson and a whole bunch of other people. Um, That whole bunch of other people turned out to be people who I'm still friends with and know to this day. Guys like Brian McClellan, that was the first time I met Brian, and I ended up in a writing group with him. And he's one of those dudes who thanked me in his uh, in his first book because he's a good person. Um, we're getting there. I promise you, there's a story coming. Anyway, you meet a lot of the. Actually, that was the first time I met Jim Mintz too. Oh, yeah, Jim, I love um, Jim. And I knew from that moment that I liked Jim, and I only went to see him because he basically discovered Steven Erickson for the U.S. And you know how much I love Steven Erickson. Oh, yeah. So I, that was the first time I met Jim. And now since then, like, I mean, he's our editor, he's my editor, you know, he's our, he's our friend, he's my friend. Like it's, it's crazy. You never know the people that you meet early on in these things, how much influence they're going to have in your life later. Um, and how important they're going to be to your career later. So one, don't be an idiot. Don't burn bridges. Two. Don't be an idiot. Don't burn bridges. And three, don't be an idiot and don't burn bridges. I mean, good freaking grief. No, so writing conventions are a great way to meet other writers, especially when you're starting out. Uh, But one of the side effects of this is what we call writing groups. And writing group is when you meet a bunch of these other aspiring writers and you get together uh, because you want to show each other your work. Yeah, yeah. And theoretically, writing groups are the kind of thing that you will encourage each other to work more. Because remember guys, when you're starting out, the hardest thing about finishing your first book is finishing your first book. It's actually, you know, button seat, hands on keyboard. And so for a lot of people having a group of like-minded, you know, five or six friends and you get together once a month or once every few weeks and you show each other what you've done and you read each other's work and you provide constructive criticism. So ideally a writer's group is an awesome tool to help you be more productive and to get better. Well, for example, the very first writing group I was in, Larry, it was me, Brian McClellan, 
Chris Husberg, who's also published through Titan, um, really, really great author. Um, uh, and then there's two other people in that group who, who are also self-published. Literally the entire writing group is published. That's awesome. That's way That's more amazing, successful right? than most. However, the subsequent writing groups that I was part of, not a single one of them are published besides yeah. me. Now, this is the downside of writing groups right. that a lot of people don't realize is that when you have a bunch of newbies get together, um, if they're actually helpful and filled with good advice, that's good. But what happens a lot of times is you get new people who don't know what they're doing and they're still compelled to give advice. Right. So they give you bad advice. And a lot of times, uh, so some writing groups are actually worth their weight in gold and very successful. Like, like that one you're talking about where every, every yeah. single one is published. Yeah. Uh, I know like, uh, Brandon Sanderson's, uh, old college writing group. I believe all of them are I published. Think all of them are published at Fantastically point. well. Yeah. So they do happen. Then on the other hand though, you see these ones that crash and burn because there's a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing, giving each other advice. Yep. It's kind of like when you get together a group of like 11 and 12 year old boys in middle school and they're giving each other like dating advice. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's like, nice. and, and then, and then you come along <laughs> as the experienced adult and you, and you overhear these kids and you're like, that is not how like, any oh, no. of this works. No, 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 no. That's not where that goes. And yeah, that's, that's an ad, that's anatomically impossible. Uh, I, because I, I've raised four kids and they would come home from school and they're like, I heard this. And I'm like, wow. No, not eat. No, humans don't work that way. Kids like, no, that's not, <laughs> you know, that no. And so the writing advice is kind of like that. And, and sometimes you get these groups and so they become like a destructive thing. Like I've seen writing groups where one person will be in the writing group, will be giving writing advice to somebody else. They're like I read this, but I, I don't like it because it's not the way I would have wrote it. Right. That, and that is the most common thing that you see in early writing groups, Larry. And that's, and that's also how, you know, when you're dealing with a bad editor, um, just kind of tangentially related and, and especially when you're a newer writer and you're submitting stories just, just for the sake of writing credits, the editors are often like, well, you need to write it like this because that's how I want it written. Um, this is how I would have written it. Well, he should go write his own book then. Exactly. So the trouble is when you're a new writer you don't know to ignore that because you think, you think that little voice like, inside oh. your head is right. Like, oh, you're right. Like, like, oh, this guy said he didn't like it. Well, I, I better change that then. It's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Pump the brakes. Like maybe that person's just wrong. That's a common thing too. Or maybe he's wrong for you. Right. Maybe he's wrong for your target audience. That's right. Uh, sometimes you get these writing groups together just because they're like-minded people, but they're not writing the same kind of books for the same kind of people. And somebody's like, well, I would change it to this. Well, I ain't writing for your audience. Mm -hmm. When I first started out and I was, I, I, I did not have a writing group. I just was on my own. And I, I had not been to any cons or any fan or anything. I was just a reader. I like to read. And so uh, when I first started submitting Monster Hunter to various agents, um, and I, I got rejected a hundred times oh, from yeah. publishing houses and agencies right. and approximately. And I, uh, I remember one in particular where this agent um, gave me a bunch of really constructive feedback. Um, but it was knowing what I know now, her advice was trash. Oh, really? It was garbage advice. She gave me advice and I know her in real life now. Uh-huh. Yep. And I just mouthed the name to Steve. So the rest of you guys aren't going to pick that up. No, we, we, I, I and knew exactly he immediately what you were went, about. oh, okay. Cause this person gave me like really constructive advice that I, as a new person was like, wow, 
that doesn't feel right. The advice that she's given yeah. me is not, it doesn't feel right to my heart. Like me as my creative writer self, I was writing for an audience of me. I was writing for sure. a internet savvy gun nut horror movie watchers, right? right? It was what my first book was written for. And so she's given me this advice. It was very Manhattan publishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, and I actually started to revise MHI according to uh, what she told me. And I got a, I got like 40 pages in. I was like, no, no, Good. no. Good. And honestly, knowing what I know now, 25 books later, 12 years in this business, knowing what I know now, I recognize that the advice she gave me was trash. It was horrible advice. And if I had rewritten Monster Hunter to suit what she wanted, I would, it would be a failure. It would never have taken off. It would never have done good. It would never have satisfied my target core audience that I've built my career off of. You know, one of the, in, in the second writing group that I was in that crashed and burned hardcore, um, one of the, one of the biggest things that I was getting was that, um, my stuff was too violent and too dark. <laughs> First of all, boy, those people, they have not met the new me. Uh, cause man, I mean, shoot in, in the book that we just wrote, you had to, you had to pull back the reins quite a bit. On I, did, me. I, I had to tone it down and we're writing this for a Bayan audience where they're not like, the horrors of war or. <laughs> I mean, I had one guy in the review was like, well, I don't know, you could have horrored the, you know, could have made more horrors of war in it. And I was like, I could have, and turned off like more of my audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and believe me, Steve, the original, Steve's original stuff, he's like, I think you should have had more rats biting people. And Steve's like, oh, I should have had more rats biting me. You know? And I'm like, no, we have enough rats biting people. Well, for that comment, my, my, my specific <laughs> thought was, my specific thought was, well, you know, I didn't really have any scenes of guys like in that specific situation. But in the second book. I know actually, because mostly we were talking about the guys who were basically driving the walking armor. Uh-huh. They were superstars. They didn't sit down in the trenches yeah. for the most part. They went down to the trenches when they were needed. And the rest of the time they kept them back where they were yeah. out of artillery range. Yeah. Because I mean, they were too valuable. If you're in a giant power suit, you're not going to get bitten by rats. Yeah. No, these guys were wrong. We were writing about the rock stars. We were, write, we were basically writing about the equivalent of the fighter pilots. It's, that's exactly what You know, the zipper suited yeah. sun gods. Yeah. That's is exactly what we were writing. Um, but we did introduce specifically a trencher character uh, for that. But yeah, but Yay, book two, I'm sure book two, someone's going to get devoured by rats. They are now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but constructive, <laughs> constructive feedback like that, sometimes it is really good. And and so like you get a constructive, like this guy talking about, well, you need more rats, but I'm cool okay. with that. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're look, both, I'm not arguing. We're both fine with that. <laughs> but Steve overall getting advice from people like, well, you, this is too dark. This yeah. is too violent. Well, let's look at what you've actually finally years later had commercial success with. All really dark horror stuff, Larry. Yeah. Frankly. Dark and violent. And if somebody told me my stuff was too violent, <laughs> yeah, my, my stuff is superbly violent and I make my living. That's the point. But like this agent who gave me all this advice, um, it was terrible advice and she wanted me to write like for a Manhattan audience, like a traditionally published urban fantasy novel, but that's not my people. And honestly, my career has done so much better. I, I write for people in like, you know. Uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, you know, yeah. Galveston, Texas. Yeah. Uh, the uh, folks on post in Baghdad. You know, Phoenix, Arizona. I was the number one writer uh, in, in Baghdad, Baghdad and Bagram. Right. Uh, you know, they shipped like hundreds of my books to the USS Ronald Reagan. You know what I mean? I wasn't writing for Manhattan. Yeah. There, there's thousands of other writers who are writing for Manhattan. Well, and, and I think I think the, the, the thing that, that we're really trying to push home right here is the person might be this reader might be a really great person. They might be a friend, maybe a family member, whatever, but they might not be the right person for your specific book. 
And oh yeah, while 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 I do think there is value in going outside of the box to get different takes on different elements within your book, I'm not sure that there's wide appeal or wide value in a horror author like me, right? Going out and, and getting advice from someone who only writes Harlequin romance. I'm yeah. not sure that they're going to be able to give me much advice, except maybe in the one romance scene that I write per book. <laughs> so, you know, but my point there is if I'm, a, if I'm doing that, then maybe I'll just send them that scene. Yeah. You know, like with me and you, for example, um, many times I just send you an action scene. I just say, Larry, I don't, yeah, give me feedback. And you go, yeah, yeah, guns don't work like that, Steve. Well, that's my area of expertise. Thing. Right. Um, but like if you were to ask me about creeping dread horror, I'm not the guy. That's right. I'm not that guy. Yeah. You know? But if you want like to blow somebody's head off in a dramatic factor, you're like, definitely oh, the guy. I'm the guy. I mean, I got oh. all sorts of cool stuff for you there. And what you didn't see is I just gave Larry gun fingers when he said that. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about this topic. We're going to talk about, one, my horror story um, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to people not appreciating you as a, as a pre-reader. And then uh, and, and we'll, we'll just continue exploring this topic. We'll be right back. From the pulpy pages of Black Mask magazine in the 1920s and 30s through the film noir era of the 1940s to today, Noir fiction has lured many a reader and moviegoer away from the light and into the dark underbelly of society. Humanity, it seems, loves the dark. And within the dark, one figure stands out, that of the femme fatale. Here then, Noir Fatale, an anthology containing the full spectrum of noir fiction, each incorporating the compelling femme fatale character archetype. From straightforward, hard-boiled detective story, to dark urban fantasy, to the dirty secrets of futuristic science fiction, all with a hard, gritty feel. All new stories by Larry Correa, Casey Azell, Merle K. Hamilton, David Weber, Sarah A. Hoyt, Robert Butner, Alistair Kimball, Griffin Barber, Michael Massa, Christopher L. Smith and Michael Ferguson, Hinkley Correa, Patrick Tracy, and Steve Diamond. Noir Fatal is available on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, in the interim, Larry and I were talking about all the people that were mean and rude to us and that we hate. Um, yeah, I know, actually, we should. We were talking about earlier, we, 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 we keep talking during the break. Like, but sometimes for like way longer than the commercial goes, Jack could probably just string a bunch of these together in episodes, but they, 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 we couldn't actually air them because that's when we talk trash about people and say their oh actual names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Larry, I want to start off with a story. So again, like we talked about earlier, uh, I, I've read for some pretty big authors. Um, you know, the, the, the U's, the Brandons, the Dans, um, you know, Steve Erickson. I've read for a lot of big deal guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually probably more than most editors. Like, more than most. Yeah. Um, well, in fact, <laughs> I mean, in fact, I edited, I'm not going to say the name of the author, but yeah, I basically edited two of that person's books. Way more than their actual professional editor. Their editor didn't do crap. Yep. So, um, you know, I've, I've been around the block, but what happens with this? 
and, and this was, this was before I was actually really an author and stuff. Um, and, and there was a moment where I toyed with being an agent, um, you know, back East under, a under, a an agent in an agency that, you know, very well. Well, I think, you, I think they would have hired you in a heartbeat that you had an invite, right? Uh, it, it was, there was a disagreement of a, a disagreement of opinion. I disliked one of the manuscripts a whole lot. And it happened to be that that agent really loved that manuscript. Oh yeah. And so we disagreed. So I couldn't be part of that agency. There you go. Being honest. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I maintain that I'm right. Well, anyway. you make a lot more money now than he does too. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. As a, as a junior agent at an agency house. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? I make way more money now. Um, and the hours are basically the same. So I, the, the good is that I get a read for a lot of people who I love, who, who are friends, who I respect, um, a lot, you know, like the U's and, you know, and, and Brandon back in the time and, you know, Steve Erickson, who I, I couldn't have more respect for as a writer. And, you know, I, I read for these people and you start getting a reputation. It's like at conventions when you go and, and they realize that you can moderate panels really well and suddenly you're always the moderator. You're always the moderator. Yep. So the same sort of thing happens. I had people coming out of the woodwork asking for my help. Um, and for a long time, I was too scared to say no because I just wanted to be involved in the world so badly. And I felt like like I could do a lot of good for people because the people that I, that I'd done this for, you know, they were very, most of them were very appreciative. That's where we're going with the story. Most of them were very appreciative and everything. And it was great. Step in one person who I start reading for. And, um, I'd read a number of, um, self-published novels by this person and given feedback and, and everything was fine. And then pretty soon this person gives me a, uh, it's like a, it's like a little novella. I start reading it and, and I always start with a caveat when I read for people. Um, well, when I read for people who aren't megastars, when I read for people who are megastars, I just salute the flag and go. But when, but when it's, uh, when it's someone who's more self-published or very new, um, I, I always ask like, okay, well, what kind of feedback are you looking for? And, and I always say, you got to understand I'm not nice when I do this stuff. I'm a mean person when I edit. You just have to, uh, you just have to accept that. If you can't accept that, I will not read for you. Now this person said, yo, I understand. You're the best, Steve. I love you. Hugs. Whatever. Um, it was lies. So I'm partway into the story and I'm doing my ABCs. What's awesome. What's boring. What's confusing. Okay. Um, if you had a D it's dumb. So, and then if you had an E, it's what gets you excited. Right. So those are my ABCDEs of, of, of period. Actually period. very similar to Orson Scott cards. Correct. Yeah. Cause he's bored and confused. Yeah. So like in general or. No, no, that's what he says. That's what he wants his alpha ah. readers to look for. Are you ever <laughs> bored or confused? No, no. He's a good writer. I'm no, sorry. That, no, no. Orson Scott Card's I'm not, great. I'm not slagging. Orson no, no, no. Orson Scott Card's great. Um, anywho, I'm just joking. Um, so, so I'm going through and I get to this part. I, I think I'm like six or seven pages in. And I just say, uh, this story is not working in the slightest for me. And I put off into the comments, I would have stopped reading here if I had picked this off the shelf. Said, however, my job is to give you feedback. So I'm just going to continue on. 
And so I keep doing that. And it, there's a couple points in there where I say, yep, this, I'm, I'm completely yanked from the story here. Your continuity is all messed up. We talked about continuity in a previous episode. Um, your continuity is all jacked up here. Um, your characters are making no sense. Your characters are behaving erratically for no good reason. And I'm just, honestly, I pretty much shredded this manuscript. I mean, I ripped it apart. There were entire like pages where I would highlight and then just press the, press the delete key with track changes on. So it gives you the big satisfying giant X on the page. So I, I would do, I, again, I'm not a nice person when I edit. So I'm going through and I'm doing this and I send it back to her after the fact. I mean, this novella probably took me longer to edit than it does most novels that I would, that I would go through for, for like content edits, send it over, send it back to the person. And, uh, and I don't hear anything for a while. I'm like, that's, that's strange. I mean, usually, usually I'm expecting at least a little bit of lightning and brimstone coming back at me. Cause I was mean. I was like, I was up for it. I was ready for it. And it never happened. I was like, that's strange. So I go on Facebook and I realize I'm not friends with this person on Facebook anymore. I'm like, well, that's strange. Except understand everyone. Um, Facebook is not private. So I just stalked the person down, go to their Facebook page, find a thread where the individual is just trashing me because of this edit I gave. Because they said I was so mean. I was so unprofessional. Well, with sometimes my the truth is mean. It is. Um, and so I immediately texted this person. I was like, hey, uh, you know, if you don't like the way I do things, it's fine. Just tell me privately. Well, don't ask me to help you. I said, I said, I, I just won't help you anymore. It's okay. I've got a lot of things to do. Person calls me, is all apologetic, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, and then says, well, you know, I, I ended up hiring another editor, like paid them money to do an edit on the book that you just edit, edited, the story you just edited. I said, oh, that's interesting. Good for you. I said, I'd be interested to see what their edits are. <laughs> Person agreed. Edits come back. Dude, they're, they're almost identical. I'm like, well, okay. Later on, fast forward several years, I've refused to help this person anymore. Um, well, for obvious reasons. Obvious reasons. Um, and might I add that in none of the previous books that I had reviewed for this person was I thanked. Anyway, um, I'm sitting, I'm at, I'm at dinner with an editor and this person walks up and sits down at the table and starts introducing herself and saying, like, oh yeah, like I'm this writer. Steve's known me for a long time. Da, 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 da. And it was a pretty big author who I was at, who I was at, at dinner with. Person left. And this is literally, Larry, this is the only time I've ever done this. I said, don't ever, don't ever work with that person. And I shared the same story that I just shared. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why, one, you need to be careful who you're associating with. Um, and you never know how bad behavior is going to come and bite you in the butt later on. But also, sometimes people aren't right for you. Sometimes you're not right for other people. Don't take it personal. Just move your separate ways. Um, there are so many other people out there that you're going to meet at conventions who are the right people for you. I mean, Larry and I met at, a, at one of these conventions. We've already discussed that. We've worked together a And lot. we've worked together a crud ton. Yep. And so 
And, and, you know, I read for him, he reads for me, you know, obviously time permitting for each of us. And, and even at that stage, Larry, I mean, shoot, I remember, I remember son of the black sword. Um, I mentioned in a previous episode, like you were on such a tight deadline at the very end. Uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like super crazy deadline for that. And you read the whole thing in a day for me. Cause it was. Right. And I gave a ton of feedback on actually that. in some really good, uh, some, some stuff, you know, once we talk about this, it's like, you don't have to accept everything, Yeah, but sometimes you have really good suggestions. Mm-hmm. Other times you have bad suggestions and sometimes you have two good options and you just need to pick a direction and run. Yeah. You actually had the thing about profanity, uh, the, because I actually had been using a lot of real world profanity or, uh, you know, uh, colloquial equivalents. And Steve just pointed out like, you know, if you do that, you're going to be more limiting in your audience of a fantasy novel, uh, as far as like, like the readership, potential readership of the fantasy mm-hmm. novel. And it's a fantasy world. You can just kind of go nuts with fake profanity. Yeah. And when he did that, I hadn't had any of the stuff about the oceans, the fish, salt water being mm-hmm. like swear words. Yeah. And uh, that, that actually came from you. Yeah. And that worked out fantastic. Yeah. And that series is killing it. So yeah. Well, and, and you never know, but but for every one of those suggestions, Larry, I know there's stuff that I suggested that you just ignored completely because um, I read the final book and it wasn't there. Well, yeah, because one of the things is the more you do How this, the more you're going to know when to go with your gut versus when to listen to other people. And it's just an artistic decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, beta readers, I I like having more than one mm-hmm. because what that does for me, and, I, and as the more I do this, the less I count on them because the more instinct I have developed. Sure. But when you're starting out, I like to have like 10 people read it. And if one person has a problem with something, it's probably fine. Okay. Um, if nine are okay with it, it's probably okay. But if like four or five of them are confused or bored, I got a problem. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, cause like, honestly, like, like a lot of people, they'll get their mom to be their beta reader. Uh, their mom will be the person that reads her book. And the mom is like, it's the greatest novel that's ever been written in the history of mankind. If, if my mom read my books and I, and I love my mom to death, her and I have very different tastes in books. Yeah. Um, she's the one that asked me, uh, if, if there were any happy moments, like happy gumdrop and jelly beans moments in, in Servants of War. Well, there's the parts where they don't die. And I said, well, like the main character, like learns how to read. <laughs> Like that's, that's there, pretty happy. There are happy moments. Yeah. You know. Interspersed between moments of sheer, sheer horror. horror and terror and <laughs> destruction. But yeah. you know, like, and, and, and that's not to take away from my mom or anything. She has very specific tastes, but my point there, and I think your point is one, your family is biased. It doesn't matter. Either, the, yeah. either they love you too much or they hate you completely. Yeah. You're going to get hosed by family. So I don't trust family unless like you have immediate family members that are like professionals. Right. Like I, I can beta read for my daughter. Oh, sure. But that's a whole different But that's game. different in that I can check my brain at the door and not treat her like my daughter as I edit her. And she can also understand that, well, this is what dad does for a living. Yeah. And so it's not personal. Mm-hmm. It's not that I, I love her less and that I savage her manuscript. It's just that, no, I've done this for thousands of hours. Right. With other people. So I know exactly how to do it. Well, and, you know, sometimes these people, um, you know, they're, they're just not right. Um, I've, I mean, again, <laughs> that's, that's true, you know, in more I, ways than just editing. I mean, in terms of attitude or in the head or, or whatever, I've, I've had all of the above. Um, there's I, a lot of ego checking. I've gone through so many pre-readers in my time and I've, I've ended up narrowing it down to, to a few who, 
who I trust, who I know will give me the truth no matter what. Um, the disadvantage of when you're, when your your early readers or a bunch of other authors is time. Yeah. I get requests, uh, from dozens of guys that I love. I think they're great. I think they're fantastic. I've read of their other books. I know they're super talented, but I just don't have time. I mean, guys that are like good friends of mine, uh, they've had more books come out that I haven't read yet. And it's nothing personal. It's just that the longer you do this, the more writers, you know, the larger and larger your TBR, your to be read pile gets. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Well, and the other, the other big problem with all of the, this whole beta reading thing and writers groups, you, you got to also remember if you're in a writer's group, people are reading your stuff. That means you're reading their stuff. And that's a huge time commitment. Yeah. And also these people, because these are people, you know, in real life, yep. how honest can you be with them without damaging your relationship? Your really real life relationship. Oh, I completely drove a dude from a writing group once yeah. off of, off of one critique of one chapter. Yeah. That is writing group sure is not for him. It's not for him. Like, no. Honestly, writing groups are not for everybody. Some of it, like I never did a writing group. I never, ever did a writing group. The closest I ever came to writing group was doing game fiction with you guys playing. Oh like, yeah, that was a different thing. And that was totally different. Yeah, and we were just different. having fun. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, if you, if you need that validation, if you crave that validation, if you need that, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but if you need that, that person, that outside influence to come in and say, yes, your work is good or know your work needs work, then yeah, writing groups are good for you. But if you work better on your own and you can get a finished product and then get it out to beta readers, I prefer to do that personally. Yeah. That's a, There's a little bit more distance yeah, at but, that point. But some people, they, they, they thrive in that environment where every week or month or whatever, they meet with friends. Those friends build each other up and they're more productive. And sometimes people are like, well, I have to get a chapter done because I need to have it ready for writer group. Hey, and you know what? If, if that's what makes it so that you can get, you can be productive. Um, I mean, you know, in our, in our, in our, uh, writing goals, whatever, uh, new year's day episode. Um, yeah, look, that's, that's a valid way to by hook or by crook, get your words in and get stuff done. Then by all means, you should I mean, do it. Sure. Go for it. But once again, you need to make sure you got the right people right. in that group. Cause you know, again, the same people that, that said that, uh, that I had too much violence in my fiction. Like, like why was I writing a chapter for that person every day, you know, every week? Or, or the agent that thought I had too much gun stuff. That had too know, much gun stuff in, in your Monster stuff Hunter. for guns? I was like, yeah, except that was my first like 10,000 sales yeah. were to people on internet yeah. gun forums. I yeah. actually gun netted it up in the final version. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, we get this question all the time, Larry, and that's, and that's, are our writing groups, our writing symposiums and all that good for you? And, and the answer is yes. And the answer is no. It, and it just depends. depends. Yeah. It depends on you and your personality. Yeah. It depends on what your needs are. It depends on, on what stage in your career you're at. Well, cause a lot of people go to the writing events, uh, because they're in love with the idea of being writers. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're not necessarily willing to put in the work to be a writer, but they right. love to wear that mantle of, oh, I'm a creative yeah. I'm artistic. They don't actually do anything, but they go to this stuff and, uh, suck up the oxygen and take up space and tell everybody how brilliant they are, but they don't ever, you actually don't see anything from these people because yeah. they're in love with the idea, not the reality. Well, so. And that's yeah. fine. Everybody needs a hobby. Oh yeah. And that's fine. I mean, you I know, mean, that if, was, that was one of the first episodes that we ever did was hobby versus career. Oh yeah. If you want to do that, if you want to, if you want to just go to this stuff, cause you like the lifestyle, 
you like the creative, you like being around the creative people. That's fine. You know, and going to dinner and socializing and networking. That's great. That's no, that's not a problem. Just don't, don't put on errors of things that you're not and give it, don't, don't dispense advice as if. Right. You're something you're not. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is when we're on a panel with someone who's never actually written anything. Yeah. When you're on a panel, you need to know your place. And this is advice I got from Tony Weisskopf when I was starting out. Um, I mean, you, if you are the junior writer, you need to recognize that you're the junior writer and, and proceed accordingly. Sure. And if you're the big dog, by all, by all means, be the big dog, but don't be a douche to yeah. the other writers. Right. But you got to kind of know your place in the pecking order. You know, like where, what size animal are you around the watering hole? Right. You know, I'm a hippo. <laughs> so I just sure. kind of blunder in, sure. do what I want, eat a gazelle on accident. I was going to say, I'm you the know. baby gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to know your place. Uh, and, but, 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 you know, be respectful to other writers at this stuff. Uh, until, until they, uh, until it's, it's like, you know, roadhouse, mm-hmm. be nice until it's time not to be nice. Right. Cause sometimes you do got to defend yourself sure. and you got to defend your turf. Um, but you know, I be honest. Yeah. When you're at these, and, and this is always my advice when it comes to like where to meet people who can be beta readers or where to meet people who can be in writing groups, depending on what you want to do. Um, and that's go to places where you're likely to meet them. And, and that's why Larry and I keep talking about conventions. Well, actually fan pages too. If you fan have a fan pages page are great. of a writer that you are similar to, or do you find other people there that are actually into that same kind of thing? Sure. I've had a, quite a few people become beta readers for each other off my Monster Hunter fan page. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, tons of people actually, uh, many I, of whom are now published. That's right. Uh, which is just funny because that's, it's more a statement of how long I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that, that, the guys who started years, years later, or now I got their own careers, but either uh, die here or live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, been doing this for a little bit. And so, yeah, but it's really interesting. Any type that people of like mind and interest in that kind of target audience congregate, probably a pretty good place to find potential readers. Yeah. And, and I think that as time goes on, eventually the people who you, you're going to recognize pretty quick if, if someone's bad for you. And so, unless it becomes an abusive relationship. But which it, is some writing groups, which is a lot of writing groups. Um, but there's going to come a point where some people are going to weed themselves out. Um, don't worry too hard. Yeah. Cause if, if a person is giving bad advice all the time to everybody, there's going to come a point where they're just going to bail anyway, because whether they like it or not, they're getting the stink eye back at times. Well, cause some people want to be in writing groups just so they can throw their weight around. Yeah. You know, and feel important. And that's just for those people that they're out there and they're a legion in the writing community. Yeah. They go work for national media. Oh uh, yeah. They usually will wind up working as a junior associate editor at some publishing house. That's right. You know? <laughs> uh, and so honestly, guys, this is one of those episodes that I feel like we're going to get feedback on this episode and it'll be like, so what you're saying is, and they'll say that we either hate, hate the stuff or love it. And they'll ignore the like 30 minutes of prior discussion of nuance. <laughs> yeah. Because- I mean, we've both had good and bad examples of everything yep. in this. That's just the way it is. Uh, now, unfortunately, there, yeah, there's no right answer on this one, guys. So, look, that's the way it is. Um, if you uh, if you have further questions or you want to clarify, hey, look, become a supporter. Shoot those questions our way. We will answer them. That's what we're good at. So, uh, thanks again for our listening. We're very, very appreciative of all you readers and. Uh, and the, the good feedback that you've been that you've given us 
um, the questions that you've answered, that you've asked, that we've some of which we've answered so far. Um, really appreciate you all, and uh, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Better Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. <laughs> well, yeah, that's fair. I won't get into that in the show. That's but I, fair. I've burned the, I nuke the bridge in the salt of the earth.